good morning, everybody. Those of you here in person, super excited to see you. Super happy to be with you, those who are joining us online. Maybe they're on vacation today. Maybe they're out sick. Maybe they're just checking us out for the very first time because they're nervous about coming in person. Those are all good reasons. Um, my name's Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads. You'll see we, I'm part of the communication team. We have somebody different kind of share each week. Uh, maybe that's like your uh, lunch choice today. You're like, I want to try something different than last week. You like a little variety. We like a little variety when we talk too, because sometimes you listen to the same voice every week and it starts to be like Bueller, Bueller. You start to just zone into a sound instead of to what God is saying to us. So could we start this morning? I just would like to share just a really short prayer and just ask God to open our hearts up to what he wants to say to us today. Because it, it's going to be different than the person next to you, probably. Because, God, believe it or not, God wants to say something personal to us today. So, uh, God, we thank you so much for your amazing love, that you would send your son so that we could be free from shame, free from guilt, free from our sins, free from our past. I pray that today you would open our hearts, soften our hearts, to hear what you clearly want to say to us, specifically us that we would not just hear it, but then we'd be willing to do something with us. Would you empower us to make change today? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for some of you, when you see the image on the screens, mixtapes, you know exactly what this is. You're like, I miss mixtapes. Others of you think we ripped this off Guardians of the Galaxy, who's probably made mixtapes the most popular. That's the most current version because that, that child grew up in the 80s. So if you grew up in the 70s or 80s, you didn't have a phone that had all your music or an iPod. You were most likely rocking tapes. So 90s too, sorry, I don't want to say. A lot of us kept it going longer, but that's when CDs started to come on, early 90s. So maybe you're still doing your tapes. I, this is not saying you can't do them. Maybe you listened to your tape on the way today. Go get it, go get it. I was talking with our team this morning, and somebody was like, remember when they first like, made the wire come out of the tape that you could put in, and now you could play anything from your phone using the tape thing? Wasn't that crazy? They're like, I have no idea how that even works. And I was like, magic, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about mixtapes in our series. One of the reasons we picked the mixtape series is because it's where you collect your favorite songs. So over this summer, we thought, like, mixtapes is most popular on road trips, like, we're going on a road trip, let's get our favorite songs, because it's a long drive, right? So this summer we thought, wouldn't it be fun if we had our communicators pick their favorite songs? But it's the favorite thing that God would say through them. So part of it is you say, God, what would you have me talk about? And you take a, like, this is kind of my favorite thing to talk about. If I could talk about anything, you put that together, and that's your track on the mixtapes. So I'm happy to share my mixtape today. The uh, volume one of it, and uh, you're going to enjoy because I remember when I was growing up, like, to get a mixtape was a lot of work. To get a song today is nothing. You're like, click Apple or whoever you use it, or just play, and you've got it. You feel like you paid nothing for it, because that's kind of how you do it. But to get a tape in the past and to make a mixtape, usually you had to have a deck that had two tapes, or you were, like, recording off of the radio... And then you had to later take that tape and switch with another tape. And then you had to, like, edit out all the DJ, number three today. And you had to get rid of all that stuff because you just wanted the song. 
And then it, you had to let it go for like the whole four minutes to get the recording. And if you screwed it up, go back and do it all over. So a mixtape, if somebody gave you a mixtape, that is the gift of love. And some of you gave away mixtapes full of love. You're like, these are the songs that show you how I feel about you. And boy, woo! I pray that from this mixtape series, you find out how much God loves you. And uh, that these are the songs that he's played in our hearts that have changed our lives. And I have a feeling that he wants to do some of that in all of us, including me today and throughout our series. So Jesus, play your mixtape in my heart. Change me, make me more like you. I wanted to start today with the reason why I wanted to share today's uh, message. I um, was a young person. I found Jesus. It changed my life. And I um, moved away. I grew up in Nebraska. I moved to California. I went to a Bible college to study more about Jesus and how would I be a pastor. And it was amazing. So we moved to Northern California after we finished school. I met my beautiful wife, Mandy, there. We moved to the most expensive place on earth. And... um, Things you don't do unless Jesus asks you. And we were like, okay, let's go a place we don't know anybody where it costs more than half of my salary just to pay rent. And you're excited about it. (laughs) Well, my first job was as a youth pastor. And um, it wasn't really a job. It was like I got paid to hang out with students and help them on their journey with Jesus. And I loved every minute of it. So these are a few of my students. You're like, you pretty much look the same, Joe, uh, or maybe not. Go ahead and flip through. These guys uh, have changed my life. So you got paid to take them, like, to the water park. These are are amazing times. I think there's one more. And then some of them, you get to follow them on their faith journey. So you get to join them as they say yes to Jesus, as they get baptized, telling the world, hey, I'm following Jesus. Uh, I had some students, uh, one of the pleasures uh, of, um, of being a male leader was guys connected with me really well, part because I loved sports and I would play video games with them because they loved video games. I'd take them to movies. I'd do the things they love. And I had some amazing uh, female leaders like my wife and other ones like Catrice uh, who um, spent so much time with them. So I, there was an outlet for our girls to go to where they could share their story in a way that made sense with somebody. But the guys, I felt like they were mine. And I had some young students who changed my life because I grew up in a place where I was blessed. I had mom and dad who loved Jesus from before I was born. And while imperfect, they were helping me on my journey to follow Jesus in a way that I felt healthy and loved and cared for. And I had some young men who had never met dad or he was in prison, or they had, all they knew was a family history of drinking or abuse or different things. And maybe that's sparking your heart today because you've grown up in situations where you would go, I didn't inherit the best. And I didn't know what that was like until they started to share their stories with me, until we started to do life together. And then I realized that I was more than their youth pastor. For some of them, I was the only example of what a father looked like that they had inherited close in their life. And I started to go, and I would have conversations with them, and they would say, I don't want to be like my dad because my dad wasn't here or my dad's in prison. 
or my dad's not with us because of how much he drank or how he was abusive to my mom or different things. And then it's like, so what do I do to be different? How can I even be different? Sometimes you feel trapped in your past. Like that past and the generations before me, that's the predictor of who I'm going to be. Maybe people have told you that if you have alcoholism in your past, then that's your future. That it's in your DNA. It's in your blood. That's who you have to be. And I had young men who were telling me, I don't want to be that. Then I don't know how to be different. So, this is the mixtape we played together. This was my favorite jam to share with them. This story is about a, a young man who grew up and had a terrible history of fathers before him. In fact, the Bible says that they were the worst kings ever. Like the most evil and the most wicked. So what did he inherit? So I want you to walk away today remembering this thing. That the future, your future, is not found in your past, but in your choices. That your future is not written already. Some people will tell you that you've already, this is your story and this is how it's going to be. Or this is how their story was, so that's how my story is going to play out. And that's not true. We're going to talk about a young man named Josiah. Josiah's story is found in two books of the Bible. That's how cool he is. Also, because he was a king. And uh, if you've ever read the stories of Jesus, you're like, why are they writing his story in Matthew, Mark? There were several people who were writing his story. Well, when you were a king in Jerusalem or in Israel, your story was written because you were the king. And so they had uh, somebody who wrote in First and Second Kings, and they told the story of the kings. And then somebody said, these are the chronicles of the kings, and so those are First and Second Chronicles. So Josiah's story is in both of them. So if you have a Bible, Josiah's story is in Second Kings chapter 22 and 23, and it's also in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34. So we're going to read bits and pieces, but before we get into Josiah's story, it's probably important that we understand who his grandfather and father were, because the way that they write the stories of the king, they basically start to talk about what they did, if they were good or bad, why that was, and how their story ended. There's not a lot in there, but so uh, Josiah's grandfather, his name was Manasseh. By the way, Josiah's grandfather, 10 times up, was King David. And Josiah's great, 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 and more grandson was Jesus Christ because he was a lineage of the kings. And what you're going to see is that good and bad things come out of great people. And the differentiator, the thing that is really in their choices, not in who their fathers were or weren't. Manasseh was Josiah's grandfather. He became king at age 12. Could you imagine what it would be like to be king at 12? Who's, who's got a 12-year-old? What if you're 12-year-old? You're 12? There you go. This is now President Eli. Imagine being in charge of all of the United States, which is like everybody around you, you're in charge. You have guards. You have people. You just say the word, and this really does mean like chop their head off. That was where Manasseh became king at the age of 12. Sorry, Josiah, I don't have power to make you actual king. Manasseh was king for 55 years. And in their era, he actually is the longest standing king there ever was in Israel. 
he was around for a long time, so hopefully he did a good job, right? Well, if you read his story in 2 Kings chapter 21, he was terrible. What made him terrible? It says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He worshiped other gods. He did what all the other nations around them did. For some of them, that was sacrificing children. For some of that, it was abusing other people. It was witchcraft. He made his sons walk through fire. He wasn't the kind of dad we would want. He wasn't the kind of kings we would want. He built up idols and altars to worship all these other gods. Even after he had heard all the stories about God saying, I am the Lord your God, the one God. And after reading the stories about how God freed them from all these false gods and all these other places like in Egypt, and he made them a place all by their own, and he fought on their behalf to free them so they didn't have to intermix with those people following those gods. And the first thing these guys started to do is like, we want to be like you. We want to be like you. We want to be like you. It's easy to judge Manasseh, but I'm going to tell you right now, doing what other people do is who we are. You're like, I'm not really into this, but everybody else is doing it, so why don't I do it? I mean, at least, I mean, I don't have to really care that much about it, but I want to be in. I want to be included. Because I feel like if I don't do what they're doing, then I'm not going to be included. I'm not going to be, they're not going to like me. They're not, I'm not going to be cool. All these other things, no matter what your age is. It says that, King Manasseh killed innocent people. He was ruthless. Second Chronicles 33.9 tells us, it says, So Manasseh encouraged Judah, which was his kingdom, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the sons of Israel. He's like, you know what? We're going to be worse than everybody around us. We're going to follow more after these other gods than any. We're going to be the best at being the worst. Ultimately, his evil caused God to bring severe correction through the Assyrians, and they were carried off to Babylon for years. The only redeeming part in Manasseh's story is this. So if you find yourself down the wrong road and you've made some wrong choices, here's part of Manasseh's story that actually is a good part. In 2 Chronicles chapter 33, 12 and 13, it says, When he was in distress, this is when he's in Babylon, he's a prisoner, he hits his lowest part, and this is what he says. It says, he appealed to the Lord his God, and he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, he was moved by him, and he heard his pleading, and he brought him back to Jerusalem to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew, then Manasseh knew that the Lord alone is God. He did go back home, and he did start to make some changes, but just not all the way. He did some stuff. He started to make some heart change. But there were some things that were hard to let go of. This had become tradition. This had become pop. You mean I'm going to take this thing away from the people? They really like this. He couldn't do it. He had a son named Ammon. And Ammon became king at 22 when Manasseh died. It says he became king, but he only was king for two years. His, his dad was king for 55 years. Do you know why he was king for two years? 
It's not because his dad was king for so long he was old when he became king, because he became king at 22. He only was king for so long because he was so bad that even the people who worked for him hated him, and they killed him. They conspired to kill him, the servants who worked in the king's palace, and they said, this guy is the worst. And they killed him. He totally abandoned God. He wouldn't humble himself. He was not good. And he was murdered for it. We have two of the very worst kings in the history of the kings. They were descendants of good kings, like David. But what they passed on to their sons was a history of loving evil and hating what was good. And it wasn't a good story. And this is where Josiah's story begins. Josiah became king. If you thought 12 was hard, Josiah was king at 8. What's that, a second grader? Put a second grader in charge of the world, right? That's going to be awesome. He was 8 years old. And in Second uh, Kings chapter 22, it says, He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked entirely in the way of his father, Ammon? Ammon was his father. No, it says his father, David. So he, they go up. They're like, we're skipping all these ones above. Like the, the father that he followed or he patterned his steps after was David. And he did not turn aside to the right or the left. See, over the years, he tore down the idols. He tore down all the stuff that his father and his grandfather wouldn't do. He goes, we're going to live differently. So when he had been king for like 10, 15, 18 years, he started to learn more and more. And they went through this place. They tore down uh, this building and they found there God's word, something he'd never even seen before, something he'd never heard before. It was the first five books of the Bible. Uh, they, they would call them the Pentateuch. Um, they were written by Moses. And so they, he said, read them, read them. And he got as many people to come around. And when he read them, it says he tore his clothes. He realized that, that even in the journey of trying to do the right things, they were missing it. And he took responsibility. And tearing your clothes was a sign of shame. And, and, and just deep compassion to go like, oh my goodness, we need to make a change. Josiah was the king. And he goes like, this is on us, guys. In a... In the book there in 2 Kings, he says, Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people of Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found. For the wrath of the Lord that burns against us is great because our fathers didn't listen to the words of this book to act in accordance with the things written. It says that Josiah then stood up in front of the people as a young man. And he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to follow God with all our hearts, with all our souls, with everything we have. We're getting rid of any other thing that would try to distract us of that. That's who we're going to be. He made the people who were with him. He says, are you with me? I want you to make this commitment today too. And they stood up around him and they stood up and they said, this is our God. This is who we're going to be. Let me tell you about the end of Josiah's story. Josiah was king uh, for 31 years. He was a good king. And that's not because I feel like it was. It's because the Bible says so. In 2 Kings chapter 23, 25, this is what you want the end of your story to be written like. It says, Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, all his soul, all his might, in conformity to the law of Moses. 
nor did any arise after him. They said this eight-year-old who had fathers who were horrible and who loved evil more than they loved good, there was no king as good as Josiah who turned their heart to God. And that was a story I shared with my young men. This is, I don't care what your past was. I don't care what your dads did or didn't do. You have the opportunity to make some choices in life. And nobody can make those for you. You can choose to follow God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And you watch how the end of your story is written. Because I'll bet you money that it's more like Josiah's story than like his father's. Because when you walk with God, he walks with you. For some of you, there's things in your life that you need to tear down and move away because they're those things that are distracting you from from God. It's like when Manasseh came back and he started to turn to God. He's like, but I just can't get rid of this and I can't get rid of that. Josiah said, I'm all in. And I encourage my young men to be guys who would go all in. Not halfway, not straddle the line. Just say, if God's gonna be your God, then run with him. He'll run with you. Can I tell you some of the most exciting things that I see today? It's some of the Facebook posts or Instagram stories where I see these young guys who are raising their families with the same wife that they've been married to for a long time and where they're raising sons and daughters who love Jesus. And it reminds me that your story is not based on your past, but on the choices that you choose to make and how you choose to walk with God. I was uh, reminded this week that how your story ends, part of that is up to you. One of our good friends here, his story ended this week. His name was Henry. Henry loves Jesus. Jesus loves Henry. He's He's only been hanging with Jesus for a few days in heaven, but I wonder if he's met King Josiah yet. Because they're both there. Because when you choose to follow Jesus, it's not a short-term thing. It's a forever thing. And so while my heart was saddened when I realized that our time with Henry had ended, I was immediately filled with hope because I know where he's at. And I know what he's doing. (laughs) He's probably shaking hands at the front door. (laughs) Welcoming people because that's his jam. They probably have to come and get him when it's time for dinner because he's just like, hold on one more, one more because he's other people minded. I want to be more like Henry. I love to read the end of the story to go like, oh, look, I don't care what age you are and what you inherited in your past. You have a future and the future is ours. What will you do with your story? Somebody else can't write your story. It's up to you. And if, it was, if, if you asked me, I would encourage you to allow Jesus to help you write that story. Let me tell you why. Jesus tells us, uh, I'm going to skip forward, guys, just so you know. Psalm 139, he's been thinking about your story longer than you have. In Psalm 139, it says, 
for you, David's telling him, he goes, this is how cool you are. He goes, for you created me, my in, you've created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame, my story, I, I was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place and when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know what that means? That God has a story written for us and we can choose to follow it and walk in it. And I can tell you, it's a great story. How do I know that? Let's, let's read on. He goes, because how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. What he's saying is like, you love me so much. There's no way the story that I would write would be anything in comparison to your thoughts towards me. If you're a parent, you can understand this a little bit. Because don't you want the best for your kids? And don't you want to go like, hey, if I could help you in any way, like this, is, you can sometimes see the path that they're choosing. And sometimes it's the path that God would lean towards. And others, it's one that they maybe want to try. And you can encourage them and say, I've been down that path before. I, I know what's down there and it hurt me. I, wouldn't, I don't want it to hurt you. I can't make your choices for you. David understood that God had saw his story before his days even started. And he goes, you love me that much. And I would encourage you to understand that God loves you that much. When I read in the Bible and I read different things, I start to understand that God's love for me is so deep and so wide. So when we sing some of those songs this morning, like, all hail King Jesus. If somebody is to give up their son to free you from prison, to free you from your chains, you would go, how much do they love me? And the story of God is that he gave up his only son who would take a brutal death on the cross to free us from sin and shame and our past. And that's one of the reasons I love him, because he loved me first. You can trust somebody who shows himself trustworthy, and he's worthy to be trusted. One of the things I uh, have realized um, is probably that the generation before me or the generation, the last couple generations, there was something different where your word meant something a little bit more than maybe it does today. The guys who were like, oh, it's just a handshake deal. Or I said it's good, it's good. My word is my bond. Like I'm good with that. That's how they used to make deals. That's how they used to make arrangements. If you said you were gonna do something, they go, oh, he's doing it, right? And some of you inside go, I'm that kind of person. If I tell somebody I'm going to be there, I don't care that it's raining. I said I was coming. I'm going to show up. Josiah was that kind of person. He said, I'm going to do this. You watch. And I want to encourage you that the power of your word is never more important than today. When people look at you, and maybe you say, I'm following Jesus, they're going to look at your word. Do you do the things you say you're going to do? When they asked Jesus questions about this, they said, what about if we make promises? What if we make commitments? He says this. He goes, if you're going to make a commitment, let your yes be yes. And let your no be no. He said, if you're going to do it, then do it. And if you say you don't, 
then don't do it. He says the commitments that we make, the choices that we make, let them be what we say they're going to be. That it doesn't matter what age you are, what, who's in the room or who's not in the room, that if you make a choice, it can be the difference for your whole life as long as you choose to follow it out. And that's what Josiah did. Because the future is not found in your past, but it's in your choices. Just because you may not have had a good parent in a situation doesn't mean you can't be a great parent. I didn't understand that fully myself until I had become an adult and when I understood that my mom's mom was gone her whole life. That when she was an infant, she just wasn't ready to be a mom and left. And I didn't know that because my mom was so incredible. That story I'd never heard till I was like 18. And I was like, what do you mean? That her, her stepmom wasn't really her mom and they didn't really have that same relationship. But she made a commitment. She goes, I'm gonna be an amazing mom. And she was, and she is. It's an example in my life where I go like, oh, you can make a choice and you can be different. It doesn't matter what you did or didn't inherit. You can make a choice. I can tell you there's things in my life that I've seen around me and I go, yeah, that's not for me. Even if lots of other people are doing it and you have to walk away sometimes. I faced lots of those peer pressures when I was young and lots of those peer pressures when I'm an adult. Did you know that there's peer pressure on adults? Four people on my street, my small street, they've all got boats and they've got trailers. And I go, how do they, I just don't know. I'm like, how does everybody else afford all this? Do I need, should I get one? Should I get a loan is what it, that is? Should I borrow $55,000 to go sleep in the woods? I was like, I have a bed at home. Why do I want to go sleep in the woods? I'm not a camper. You're like, if you knew, you do. You should come with me. And I'm like, I'm not coming with you. <laughs> or the same when I was young. I was a football player, and I started to get invited to parties and become friendly with popular people. And I started to realize there was all kinds of stuff that went with that, and I had to turn away from that. I said, that's not going to get me where I'm going. So I found my two nerdiest friends from youth group, but they loved Jesus, and that was my story. That I hung out with the dudes that I had the most important thing in common with, where we were going, and who we loved, and who loved us. And when I look at the stories of some of those friends who were going that other direction, I'm, I'm glad the choices I made. I had to give some stuff up. I bet Josiah had to give some things up. I bet there were some days he wasn't popular when all the people who had fallen in love because their fathers and their fathers, they used to worship this idol. They used to go to this place. They had history. They're like, we always go here in September together and we camp outside by the God of Baal and it's great. And he goes, camping's over, sorry. We're tearing it down. We're burning it to the floor. That's not the God we follow. And I'm sure that some of the people in the back were going, boo! Get him while he's sleeping. Sometimes making hard choices isn't always popular. You may be faced to make a hard choice or walk away with something as God's encouraging you in a direction, like Josiah. But I can tell you, you won't be walking alone. You won't be walking alone. Some people may not walk with you, 
but he will always walk with you. And as we talked last week, walking with other people through the challenges of life, that's what we do as a community of believers. That's who we are. Maybe you're still struggling with your past. Maybe you're still struggling with the challenges that you've inherited or the choices you've made in the past that you feel like define your future. All I can say is that God chose to love you and give his life for you before your bad choices. He already knew those things. He already knew your story, and he loved us anyways. Anyways. 